She saved him. She wasn't trying to hurt him. She was trying to help him. Who are you talking about? He's going home. She did that. Charlie. She didn't try to hurt him. She did it to send him home. Do you feel lightheaded, Charlie? Look at me. She's trying to help him. Who? Ellie. She was trying to help him. She just wanted to send him home. Do you ever get the feeling that people are incapable of not caring? People are amazing. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. I'm Lee Carlo, joined by Chapin Hemingway and Jeremy Fisk on a beautiful Wednesday evening in January, in dry, damp, or wet January in the case of each of us. Uh, This week, we're going to be discussing the new Darren Aronofsky film starring (laughs) Brendan Fraser. Cough during my goddamn intro. It was one of my best intros ever. That was pretty good. Good We're going to be talking about The Whale, which was a huge hit at the Venice Film Festival, where... When Brendan Fraser received a multiple-minute standing ovation, I would like to now just have us sit in silence for the amount of time that that ovation was going on. I think it was about eight minutes. So, guys, let's just do that. No, I'm not. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. It's because eight minutes is too long, and nobody actually does anything for eight minutes. Is that why? I mean, I do plenty of things for more than eight minutes. <laughs> but we'll get. We'll, we'll we'll unpack that later. I I, I do love that. Like. It's as if the film's quality is is measured by how long someone is on their feet clapping in like a group setting. It's that's I the new. Mean, it's the new Metacritic. It's the yeah. new Rotten Tomatoes. I, I get where you're going with this, Lee. Like, imagine you're in that audience and you like, love you, <laughs> you love the film. You're like, yeah. this is great. That was one of the best performances ever. I can't imagine standing for eight minutes for anything. Yeah. By by two minutes, I'll be like, all right, when do we can we yeah. sit down he now? What do we got the picture? Um, like and how does it then how does it get to so that they sit down like who's, yeah, who's leading this right or who's is it who but more importantly who's timing it if there's a guy with the stopwatch <laughs> yeah, going here it comes and then uh and then and then is it the first person that stands down or when the last oh person it has to be has every oh that's a good question i, I would think it would yeah. be the last one yeah because technically the ovation's still going so if somebody knew what the record was they could just stand and just keep going until that it's it's like the a, it's the actor applauding his own performance he's like <laughs> i broke the record um all right guys before we get into the whale um i did want to take a minute to um kind of explain to our listeners why we're going to be spending the next 65 days or so digging so deep into last year's movies Um, And kind of the thought process on how the movie year works, because obviously we are into 2023. Some new 2023 movies are being released. You know, the biggest one so far this year was Megan, um, which was released in theaters. And that's sort of the first big theatrical release of, of the year. But we're still looking at all these movies from 2022. The way at least we operate and kind of the movie calendar in general operates is that for movies to be eligible for a 2022 award, it needs to be released in a theater of some kind within that calendar year. Um, 
Now, that can happen in just theaters in New York or L.A. Sometimes you can even get away with that in a film festival. We kind of set up parameters where if the movie was released in theaters outside of film festivals in 2022 at any point, whether we were able to see it, we considered it a 2022 movie. So movies like Close and um, After Sun that are not being released in theaters until 2023, January of 2023, are still considered 2022 movies for fixie purposes. So as we talk more about these movies and try to keep the excitement going for the fixies, which is in 65 days, we'll be talking about a lot of these movies. We want to make sure everybody understands why. Does that make sense? Well, I do have a question. Is Obviously, we're going to keep concentrating on 2022 movies, but if something comes out in 2023 in between here, between now and the fixies, and we want to review it, we still can. We still are allowed. Yeah, we can. Um, I think that the balancing act will be to maintain the excitement for the Fixies, you know, while partially moving into 2023 movies. But I agree because there's some stuff that will be coming out, um, like uh, Shyamalan's <coughs> Knock at the Cabin, I think is one that we'll probably want to see. Um, and that's, you know, between now and March 25th. So moving on to The Whale. Guys, I think the appropriate place to start is with Brendan Fraser, who is receiving all the acclaim for his performance in this movie. I sent you guys an article um, that was written about him and his kind of come back to the scene after having been a little bit out of the Hollywood picture for a while, although he's worked a little bit. He was obviously a very big star in the 90s. He kind of came, came of age with Matt Damon and Leo and Chris O'Donnell and all of those guys that were kind of vying for the same roles around the same time in the 90s. And, you know, he was in School Ties. And then he was, you know, before uh, that same year, he was in Encino Man. Later in the 90s, he was in George of the Jungle. And, of course, he was in the Mummy franchise, which lasted a long time. And I think he was a very respected actor. Um, and from what I can understand, he seems to be a very What do you mean person. by respect? What do you mean by respected amongst his peers? Or I think amongst critics? his peers, um, okay. in in particular, I think his peers um, really respect him. You know, maybe that's because he's a good person as well. Um, around two thousand three, he um, made some accusations against, uh, I believe it was the then president, but still a member of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, who votes on the Golden Globes. Uh, for groping him at a party, for sexually assaulting him. Um, the member of the F, um, uh, HFPA uh, denied these what allegations, it? and things sort of went on business as usual um, until the whale came along, and his performance started to become very acclaimed, um, particularly at Venice Film Festival, and gained some award buzz, in particular the Oscar buzz. Um all whilst the Golden Globes were trying to make their way back onto the scene after going unaired last year due to their, you know, lack of diversity and in, in their organization and so on and so forth. All of this is to say that Brennan Fraser is sort of on the top of the world in terms of acting right now, at least as high as he's ever been, I think in terms of respect and acclaim. And I'm just wondering, I guess this is a long way of asking you guys what your thoughts are on him and his career and just whether or not you really understand the Brendan Fraser love. 
Um, uh, well, no, I I certainly don't understand it. I I always thought he was kind of a doofus. I mean, he, that was <laughs> yeah. just kind of like the kind of people he played. He was like a hunk and tall and big and um, I'm sort of looking. You know, he was he was pretty good in that. You know, his sort of first big movie I think was um, well, School Ties was. School Ties, I don't know if that yeah, was big, I, but I thought he was pretty good in that. Um, but yeah, like he kind of. Uh, yeah, I mean, he always sort of played a, a doofus, and I don't think he was ever really, you know, you know, he was in like Dudley Do Right and Blast from the Past, and you know, he did the the occasional Gods and Monsters and like yeah, Quiet um, American, yeah, Quiet American things like that. But yeah, so you know, we love a comeback. Oscars love a comeback, um, and I think you know he's. It's funny how this happens. Like he, you kind of get. You know, he did no sudden move. You know, like a respectable movie, which I thought he was good yeah. in. I and he's he in was... Killers of the Flower Moon next year. Yeah, so you know, he d- d- he works with some good directors after doing some t- you know, some TV. Um, yeah, I know, but it's yeah. interesting because it's like, did they all at once decide? Because clearly, Cl- Killers, he already shot that before this came out. It's not like one's building off of the other necessarily. It's like uh, Aronofsky and Scorsese, just you know. Hey, what? Where's Brendan Fraser? It's a little be... bit like that. Like the weird thing is with something like this when this comes around is that you know people the, Hollywood loves a comeback. Everyone loves a comeback, but amidst the comeback, now everyone I feel like has to a certain extent overrated everything he's done in the past. I don't know that Brendan Fraser ever heard a movie. I, but like, I actively dislike Brendan Fraser. I I have to agree with that, but I don't I lean like, more in that direction. For I don't sure. think because he's like a bad actor. I think just because he chooses these goofy roles that I'm yeah, not well, at all interested in. I, I I saw him as a bad actor, but it could be more because he chose these roles that he wasn't able to uh, stretch his ability. But I yeah, I actively well, he was like one of those actors. I was just like, oh, he's not good. I don't like seeing his movies. I don't want you know. And I thought in a weird way, and this is you know kind of fucked up but like i kind of felt my my feelings on him were a little bit justified by the fact that he just kind of disappeared for so long well, i was, was like the well other, they caught on that was the but, other thing i noticed i was like so oh the the when i was reading this article i was just like oh the comeback of brendan fraser and i was was he gone was <laughs> yeah he, he was him? i mean there was like <laughs> what was the last brendan i mean he was so big with those mummy movies and stuff that i mean that i think the difference is he effect. was very he was very prolific you know through the through the 90s yeah, and then the the, the you know that even with the mummy movies into the 2000s and then it was like a credit per year and some things you've just never heard of now i think you know a big factor in this is the hollywood foreign press association accusations that I don't want to say. Why? Why do you think that's a factor in this? I feel like that. I didn't even. He- I didn't even know that until I read that article. Lee. Like, well, I, I didn't. I, I didn't either. But why. it sounds. It sounds like that was like a huge thing where just like it got ignored. And oh, you're saying it's a factor in why he didn't. He stopped working. Okay. Like, yeah. Um, you know, I whether or not, you know, obviously that's a very personal thing, and maybe he didn't didn't want to work or didn't feel comfortable or whatever it was where he made these accusations and then the Golden Globes and the you know, kept going and people kept attending and acting like it was nothing, nothing and didn't happen. And maybe that impacted him. Um, but now he's back with the whale and 
This is also um, Darren Aronofsky, who is a director that we've talked a lot about in the past. Um, his last movie was Mother, right? Yes. Um, we've reviewed Requiem for a Dream, Masterpiece, on this podcast. Um, I want to, and I and I lean towards agreeing with you eventually. I want to lean. I want to. Um, before we get into the whale specifically, and back to Brendan Fraser, now I want to kind of talk about um, Aronofsky's career a little bit because I'm starting to think that maybe his movies are getting worse thing. and worse. Yeah, like, like he had a great start to his career, um, and I'm not sure that it's going quite the direction we were. Yeah, hoping. but it's not going. Like it's not. It's not fall off the map either like i never saw mother i heard bad things about it but like he's made like i like the fountain i like I the really fountain too like the i fountain. think that might I be like the, the last wrestler one which i think we'll get into the comparisons to that movie um and uh i don't know i think maybe you're alluding to the fact you didn't really particularly like this film but well i'm think thinking, was, thinking uh, Noah, i don't think it was a george of the jungle type mother, mother noah mother is just <laughs> insane yeah, mother, and noah was not good Black Swan, right. you know, I rewatched that a couple of years ago. It's not a bad movie, but it's not quite what we remember. Like the Wrestler, I didn't like. The Fountain and Requiem, I do like. So, uh, um, so let's get into it. So, Aronofsky. Wait, wait, wait. Oh. Yeah. Well, I was just gonna say, like, I I don't know if this is to his credit or not, but but look, like Mother is is like the exact opposite of the whale, like, um. I mean, there are, like, you can kind of see similarities, but in terms of tone and the way that they unfold, they're just, they're so different. And I wonder if, I don't know, would you guys, I mean, having not seen Mother, the two of you, I saw it and hated the experience, but, you know, do you got, do you give him any credit for that? Well, he's, I mean, I guess he is, the thing about The Whale for me is that it, it doesn't look like an Aronofsky movie. Now, this is based on a play, um written by Samuel Hunter, he also who also wrote the screenplay for this movie. Um and it it's shot similarly to a play. You would you can understand that for sure, but it doesn't have any of the visual flair, stylistic nature that Aronofsky's movies have. So yeah, in that way quite... it's very different from a lot of his movies. I and I think the constraints of it being a play and the screenplay lended to that. It, like how, to him like, making that decision. Yeah, it's yeah, like you take this, you take the screenplay. How do you kind of add a ton of visual flair without it being distracting to the story? I think he was just like, "No, this is the story I'm going to tell. I'm going to keep it simple." <clears throat> um, yeah. All right. I, I've been nervous about this podcast. We've obviously had uh, three straight podcasts where I was alone on an island. Um, I can't wait any longer. So I need to know uh, what you guys' you, thoughts on this you, movie was. Are you okay over there, Lee? Um, I mean, I was just wondering, like, I, do you have enough water? Um, I hope you've, I don't know, found a pet lemur to keep you company. Yeah, I might have to if if this this uh, podcast goes sideways. Um, I'll, I'll start. I really didn't like this movie. I really, really did not like the movie. Um, I thought it was quite bad. Uh, I, I think Frasier is good, and I'd like to talk more about that. But um, no, I, I thought this was one of the worst scripts of the year <laughs> it's just terribly written Jeremy. um i don't no. i have to hear i want to hear more i just i gotta i gotta um prepare myself. i i 
I didn't hate the movie, but I felt it reminded me a lot of The Father in a weird way. Well, not in a weird way because it's like a a an adaptation of a play. (laughs) Well, it's a play that's so heavily dependent on one performance, and that one performance does, in my opinion, knock it out of the park. But I also found, uh, and that's where sort of the comparison stops. Uh, In The Whale, I found the other performances difficult. I don't think they were bad. I just think they had uh, a a difficult time with the material, making it feel real and realistic, the way that characters popped in and out of the apartment. And I I just, I had a hard time believing them. But at the end of the day, I did kind of, I felt myself getting emotional at the end. So it, it became effective. But it was also difficult for me to uh, believe in the motivations of all these characters outside of Brendan Fraser. All right, guys, I want you to hear my sigh of relief. This was such a bad movie. Yeah, I don't think it was. Yeah. I don't think and it was the, such a JP bad said movie. It, the script was so dumb. And so poorly written. In particular, I, I don't want, like, the structure was fine, I suppose. Yeah. But the dialogue was so bad. And, like, but I think he pulls it off. So, like. Yeah, he's good in it, but it's a good performance in a bad movie. Big deal. Yeah. <laughs> he is He is quite good. He, he is really he commands good. a lot of empathy, I think. And um, I think he's an interesting character, but it's just like. Uh, I, I felt like. I mean, it's a bad analogy because he's a big fat guy, but like he's just he's like trying to climb up the structure of this script to the end goal of the movie. And it's just night. It's just not designed for that. It's not a, it's not meant to. It doesn't get us anywhere. The script, it's which the, the dialogue is overwrought. It is uh, it's it's um, drum, it's sort of melodramatic. It. um and the structure, I, I don't think, is is very good. People come in, and it's like a play, like you're going to ground this movie in the reality of this apartment, which I think is brilliant, great idea. But then you've got like these people sort of coming in and out at the at the sort of the most opportune times for the for these dramatic moments, and it's like, what what, what are they still doing here? And and I think <laughs> all of those supporting characters are awful. Like horribly I, I written. I don't. I think I blame a lot really, of that on the writing. I do I, too, for sure. I, I, I don't I think the acting that, is great either, but the writing is terrible. Yeah, it, it's well, bad. I, the Sadie Sink character is t- horrible. I think, and I and like people were saying, like she's like a revelation in this movie. What are I, you talking about? This 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 movie reminds me of of Crazy Heart, the Scott Cooper movie, which. Um, <laughs> Jeff Bridges won an Oscar for, and everybody's like, "Oh, Crazy Heart! Oh, what a what a movie! What a movie!" And it had a good one, good performance in it from Jeff Bridges, and everybody then thought that it was a good movie. And you Don't forget worry about Maggie Gyllenhaal, <laughs> who was awful in it, and she got nominated for an Oscar because you just get blinded by this powerful performance and think that everything else is good. Sadie Sink is bad in this movie. The really the, bad. The other kid is bad in this movie. Hong Chao is getting all this acclaim for her role in this and she's not that good she's no. i think she's way better in the menu than she is in good. this I, I don't think she's good either to be honest but, and i i agree with you jeremy that like i don't th- i mean there are actors that can do it these aren't the ones but 
it's it is the writing the writing is really bad the motivations are horrible the twists and turns of this movie make no sense it's one of those things where like okay maybe on the stage i can see this playing out a little bit but even there it's like what is the motivation for this kid what is the kid's name i don't i should have um the missionary kid. The missionary. Uh, so his name is Thomas. Ty, Ty Simpkins plays him. What is the motivation for Thomas to be lying? Because he st- and it turns out he stole like two thousand dollars and like it's such a bad twist and like yeah that and like the daughter and Samantha Morton. Samantha like, Morton is terrible in this and she's, she's an amazing fine. actress. Honestly, I think she's fine. I think she actually is the only other person other than Brendan Fraser that like can handle the material. And by handle it, I, I mean like uh, pull it off. Yeah, maybe. not the material yeah. is some not sort like of pressure. Enhance thing. it at all? Yeah, not enhance it. But uh, here, here's the funny thing: it's like going into this movie, I was very, I was like very excited to spend what uh, ninety minutes um, with this character. I really thought it was like I really wanted to know about. A character like this and i thought it was an interesting concept and what their life is like and i don't know what i was expecting to get but the the weirdly coming from me i think the structure of it in the the feel of the play made it took my expectations out of the picture and then it distracted me to what were the problems with the movie well I think that's interesting because this movie or the character in this movie, I think really had really offered up opportunities to explore, you know, that person in general. Like, how does how does this happen? They ask the question a bunch of times, like, how does he get this fat? What happened? And they tell us what happened. His 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 boyfriend died and you know, under kind of tragic circumstances. And he was always a big guy and he just kind of fell into this depression. And it was a good opportunity to explore, you know, that kind of aspect of mental health. And they don't bother with it. They don't want to explore that. They want to make this about like his, his need for honesty and humanity and like, you know, being, being true to yourself and writing and like trying to make these stupid, obscure uh, uh, comparisons to Moby Dick, which, I didn't understand at all. And like, I listened to the director's guild podcast with Darren Aronofsky and he's talking about all the nautical themes he has going on in the movie. And I'm like, I mean, it was raining outside. That's maybe the closest thing to any water that this had to do with. And I know there's probably some connections to the story of Moby Dick and, you know his obsession and his life and his sadness well, he, and so on. he's like the size of a whale is that was that the joke that's the one uh i think that's what you're supposed to think japen ah. but really it's like ahab and the whale yeah, look I, I i i just think i think man like i'd be really interested to know like what this writer is like like in these movies like who do we blame <laughs> do we blame aronofsky because uh, I did. I read a review after I saw this a while a while ago, as you guys know, and I, so I've been sitting on it, and I just got curious, and I read a review, and I think it was in the New York Times or something, and they were trying to, you know, say, oh, like it wasn't saying that 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 uh, Aronofsky is like shaming um, the character, but that like he's trying to explain, like trying to show the behaviors that make him fat um 
which Jeremy, I know we talked about this. You were fasting and it made that process easier because it is gross to watch him eat. But like there's kind of an othering of that character by Aronofsky. Like, I mean, there, there is something sort of inherently offensive being like, (laughs) how did this guy get to this place? But it is just like, I mean, he is the reason this movie is interesting to watch or, or, or why we're interested in seeing it. I should say is because you, you, you expect an answer to the question. How do people get like this? Like, yeah, not I mean, that's the just morbidly, not just morbidly obese, but like a place and to a place where you've like just eaten yourself to death. And I, I, one, I, I, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm any the wiser on that. No, I think Aronofsky I think like fetishizes the like the eating in a, in a weird way. Like it's it's it's. I don't know. I don't think it's done with any humanity or any insight. I don't think just because somebody dies. It means someone's going to get enormous. It's just like there's no... I don't feel like there's any explanation of the human condition here. And the and the sort of the dramatic and humanistic lines that they draw are so just like brutal and straight. Like, like that Sadie Singh character is so angry. And, you know, there's no subtlety anywhere except that in, in Frazier's performance. But he's not working with any subtle material there's no there's no degrees of i don't i don't even know what i'm saying it's just no no, no you're absolutely I think you, right i think you're making a good point and i think the 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 subtlety or the lack of subtlety is is really what's apparent in the performances of the daughter and um what's her name sadie is that it no yeah sadie's the, the daughter yeah oh and hong uh, chow yeah Please. like it's just either they're either she's either angry at him or she's she feels bad for him like one of two things and the daughter just comes storming in and storming out like there's nothing else and uh samantha morton's character the only reason i think she works a little better is because she kind of has a little bit more empathy and that's a word that chapin used earlier and i think it's the saving grace of this film is Uh, the empathy that brendan Fraser certainly shows but also samantha morton gets to that a little bit too and that moment i think i think is the only moment you really get some complexity of human emotion right like like she you get the sense that she's very angry at him and hates him and and that is communicated by ellie the sadie sings character but she gets there and she feels badly for him. You you know, you see that. I think that 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 scene with her is the only moment you really get any emotional complexity in this film. She feels empathy for him, sympathy for him. She's angry with him. She feels badly for him. There's all these like that moment does reveal the complexities here that like, you know, he's denying himself medical treatment because he's saving for um, you know, to give all the money to his daughter. And even that, it's like, like, it, <laughs> I don't know. It just well, seems like too, a little too convenient. Like he doesn't, he, he's got a full-time job, but he doesn't get health insurance. And I don't, <laughs> Samantha Morton showing up is even a little unmotivated. Like this yes. is somebody supposedly he hasn't seen in like 12 years or something. And then she just happens to show up. Yeah. There's a, there's a pivotal scene that because is basically because Liz is, Liz uh, goes, well, I'll, I was worried about this circumstance, so I'm right. glad I did. And right. that was it. Um, 
there's a there's a pretty pivotal scene that is is totally botched and horribly horribly written when Liz is talking to Thomas, the the missionary kid, about why she hates this new faith church and who her 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 father happens to run and oh, you know, yeah, Thomas Thomas convenient. claims to be a missionary for and she tells the story about her brother and Charlie Brendan Fraser's lover who c- killed himself and it is the most convoluted scene and I'm like this is the scene they needed to get to that thing that you're talking about Chapin with like giving some some humanity to and some some motivation behind what's happened to Charlie and why this has happened to him but that scene is so bad and like so long-winded and unemotional that that's completely lost and this whole movie is like this it's manipulative manipulative the music swells are so geared to like make you feel something and the tears come at such convenient times and like the just the mood swing it's just all so manipulative and like that that's Aronofsky like the script is garbage but he is not doing very good work here how over directing at under directing at the same time what, what is the what is the purpose of the religion you know like like it sort of binds all these characters together but it like nothing comes well, of it it's, it seems almost definitely like has a no i know that. For that with the fallen and, Noah and everything but he do, there's no he doesn't make a stance on either side here. no 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 it, and it, it literally is a it's almost a macguffin it just it just yeah. pulls everybody together yeah. it's the reason why uh hong chow and brendan fraser know each other it's the reason why their her brother killed himself but it's it, it's all but it's beca- because you never see any of it really i mean i guess there's the the kid character but like you don't you don't really experience it it just feels like it just feels like yeah, if you're gonna, when you hear about it if you're going to introduce religion at that level yeah um, especially that much you need to you need to have it make some sort of sort of commentary on it and all it does is just uh, it's used for them to have arguments but even even uh our um uh what's his name thomas even he doesn't seem to really care that much in the end well, and they like both, his they motivation in, is like very bizarre because he stole some money that he like. I, I just makes I, no sense. It it's makes so no sense. His motivation and because they don't it. go outside of the 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 apartment. Every it all has to be told to us in this sort of like. Oh, it's yeah, but like, there are movies just, like, that have been able to do that so effectively to maybe, keep you know, in one maybe. place. The scene place. that really the the scene that really sort of show showed its cards as to why this doesn't work. Is this scene with Ellie and Thomas when he goes into the room and they're each on one side of the dramatically on one side of the door? And I'm just like, this is in what world does anyone do this? First off, why is he there still? Um, And and like the dialogue back and forth is just it just felt so staged. I mean, the dialogue between those two when they when she's just like, oh, you should take a hit of this pipe. And he's like, oh, I, I, I've smoked pot. This is like what somebody wrote in high school when they like first learned about marijuana or something. And they're like, let's have a scene where she's smoking pot and doesn't think he does. But he used to be a pothead. And now he's now he doesn't do it because he got in too much trouble. I'm like, all this stuff is so poorly written. And it's like it's supposed to all. And she's taking these pictures and recording these things. And it's supposed to be all there because her secret motivation was to help him get back home. 
Right. What? No. no. Yeah. It's just it's so, so that convoluted. Brendan Fraser can say she's a caring person. She's a good person. No, she's a huge fucking bitch. She's horrible. No, you can say that. Okay, I have a question for you guys. I don't, I don't know if we're done with this topic, but maybe it'll lead us somewhere else. To a different movie. Could the Brendan Fraser performance ever win, be the number one fixie for you in this movie? I no. It's not I even possible. I, I agree. I, it's just, it's it's just, like it, it could be on my top five, but like the movie's so bad that it's attached to, and everything around it is so bad. It's just it's hard to enjoy. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Look, without him, it would have. This movie would have been absolutely dismal. I mean, it's, yeah, the only but, reason to wa- watch it is to but see. I think what it's he does good here. enough. I think it's good enough to maybe warrant that. I mean, I just there were moments that like. I just didn't like he was in a different movie than everyone else. Like you, I, I thought he was, you know, a 600 pound man that was dealing with all these sort of emotions, whether I understood him structurally or not. He, he, you know, he at least was able to uh, show that to the audience. Right. And I, I agree. <sighs> and it's, it was very hard throughout this movie for me to like kind of, put the movie to the side and just focus on what he was doing. And you think about kind of that last scene where he's like crying and begging his daughter not to leave. And I'm like, you know, he's going all in and he is convincing. Like I am convinced that he weighs this on the prosthetics were really, really good. Um, So it is, it is a really great performance, but there are hundreds of great performances in bad movies every year. And it's like, no, but not like that. The reason this we is, this is another level. I don't. I'm not entirely sure it is. Like, I think. I think, it is. I think the you know outside the frame, the acclaim and the excitement about his comeback and all of that has propped this up a little higher. That's gotten more people to see it because without this, nobody would even see this movie. I mean, maybe it's an Aronofsky movie, so maybe, I don't know, maybe it would get a little bit more attention, but it, it's great, but I, I can tell you right now it's not going to be nominated for me. The movie's just not good enough, and, like, he can't... He, I, it it doesn't save the movie. I mean, if the, mo- if the performance is so good that it saves a bad movie, then maybe we're talking about a nomination, but it doesn't save the movie. Not his fault. The movie's just that bad. The weird thing is, like, I, mean, I can I can separate it on this one for some reason. I I, I just felt like he was he was on I, a different I tier. I get that. Yeah, I mean, it's yes, it, it, it's he's so good in it. Or and I think or, it goes back yeah, to he, empathy, Japen, like you said. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's just like such a nice person. And, and exudes that to the world and the people around him that you understand why they're attracted to him, but he's like in such a hideous state that you, you're you still, that's sort of like the contrast of that. But it, like, here's the thing, like, like, I think at the root of every great performance is an interesting, well-developed character. And that doesn't, that, that just cannot come entirely <coughs> from the performance from the actor. It has to come in the writing and the directing and it's not here. And like Bill, the butcher is a great character in an average movie, but he's written that way and he's written to be very interesting. And Daniel day Lewis is a, is an actor who brings something to roles that a lot of 
even the, our greatest actors don't, um, a complexity and, you know, we've talked about his process. I, 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 I don't know that, I don't think Brendan Fraser does that here. There's just not enough to that character to, to well, be a great performance. And you have to have these, you have to have the substance there and use it to create something. And there's just no substance to this movie. And part of the reason I struggled with some of the empathy for him, and not that I, it was completely absent, but the motivations for his actions throughout this movie were a little head scratching. Like, not just in like how he got fat, that's besides the point. But like, why, why is he so obsessed with like honest writing, like an honest piece of writing? And like, why is he so obsessed with, you know, um, making, having his, his daughter write something for him, regardless of what it is. And then he sends this email to his entire class being like, fuck all these essays, fuck the assignments, just write me something honest. Like what, what is his motivation for that? What has happened in his past that has triggered that? Is it that, you know, his his lover was, you know, lied to about like, what is it? It's not there. So it's yeah, hard no, it's, to feel it's an anything question. about all of the actions he's taking. And it's regardless also of how well he's pulling it off. Yeah. And it goes back to even like the simplest thing of like, why doesn't like, what is the mo- motivation for him not to go to the hospital? Yeah. That's like, not there. He doesn't it's really, really not there. Or like, why, like, why does he seem to be on a even, sui- they, suicidal track? The movie even knows it because Liz asks, like, she's like, you have all this money saved? Just get health insurance. (laughs) You know, like, even if the hospital bill out of pocket was, you know, because he has, what does he have? Like $200,000. It's not like it's a ton of money. No, he has like a hundred something. Yeah. So it's not like it's a lot. So even if the hospital bill to, you know, take care of him costs that, which maybe it would, just get insurance. Look, there's (laughs) an interesting... I think there's an interesting story there, which is, you know, and this is, this is nothing new, but like, there's a certain suggestion of self-hatred when you eat your, when you like do that to your body and, and okay, I, I want to, where's that in the movie? Death by food or whatever. I, I hate myself. I hate the way I look. I don't care about my body or my health and I want to die. I don't want to live and I want to leave my daughter stuff, but I don't have the, you know, whatever the balls or whatever to, to, to take my own life, but I'll do it this way. And, and that's not explored at all. And it's something that so many people experience. In fact, like they don't explore, like even like, forget all that, how he got to being that weight, but they don't even explore how he feels about his own image <laughs> and body at that weight. Like he doesn't, he's not ashamed of, he doesn't seem to feel any shame. Well, he doesn't like he look at turn the camera on for his class. He teaches an online college course and he keeps the camera off. Well, so th- yes, but that we know that, but there's no, there's no like dramatic moment where we experience that with him. Yeah. No, it's, I, there were a number of occasions in this movie. I was just like, well, there's an interesting idea. There's an interesting idea. And they don't bother with it at all. Like just the, the simplest kind of, um, I don't know. This sounds trivial, but like the simplest thing is eating your feelings. Like we've all experienced that to some level where you have like some depression or something and you eat and he has this moment where he like takes out a candy bar and then puts it back in the drawer. He's like, no, I'm not going to. And then he just eats it in any way. And then he puts it back. I'm like, what are we getting at here? Like, can we, can we explore this, you know, this mental piece of this character? Or are we just going to get back to this nonsense religious piece? You know, his daughter who hates him and all this crap that 
doesn't tie together at all? Or can we just try to understand this character that's being performed really well? It's too bad because it's a, it, you know, I think well, then it becomes more relatable and not, not that like there's a bunch the, of like 600 pound people watching this movie, but there's, you know, millions of people that struggle with their weight and eating disorders and everything. And like the mental aspect of that could have been explored really interestingly in this movie. What, the emotional linchpin of this of this movie is this essay about Moby Dick that we eventually find out Ellie, his daughter, wrote in the seventh grade, and he talks uh, the moment that that he repeats over and over again is this moment about how in the it's a it's a what is it what that when you re, it's a book review right or a yeah, something like that. Yeah. Book report, yeah. And a book report. And she she talks about how there are moments where in Moby Dick where the author Melville describes, you know, I don't know, goes off on tangents about something else and she recognizes that that's that is the writer not being able to like face his own tragedy the, the like the you know the the sad parts of his life or something like that. I apologize that I'm not saying that very well, but um been a while since we all read Moby Dick. So. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I usually read it once a year, but yeah, just the pandemic it. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, and we never get insights like that into Brendan Fraser. We don't ever look at him. We don't ever experience him alone in his in his sorrow. Like he actually seems like quite a happy guy. Yeah, there's just a one scene towards the end where he just like starts stuffing his face with yeah. everything. He's sort of breaking down at that point. Um, didn't understand the ending. I thought the ending was like laughably bad. Uh, so when he, <laughs> when he uh, goes to heaven, which little contradiction there, like they spend the whole movie being like, God isn't real. I'm not, I don't want to be saved. And then supposedly he, it rises to heaven on the last shot. Um, is that how you interpreted that? And, so yeah, I, I, at first I interpreted it as he actually never got up and walked over there. He died first. And that was that's, sort of that's kind of what I thought oh, vision, but I who gives a shit? That was kind of how I really felt at the end. <laughs> um, I also thought, again, just like a, a movie, for an hour and a half full of missed opportunities. The relationship with the pizza guy, I thought, was like kind of nice and could yeah, have been it was interesting, and then it yeah, went nowhere. Weird. And then it's just like the guy just runs away because he saw a man in a wheelchair. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. like, what? What happened here? This guy seemed so nice. Delivers him two pizzas, which you guys were disgusted by the food. I thought those pizzas looked really good, but um, not the one he was eating them. Uh, how do you guys eat pizza? Not two, two, two slices lar- two at, large a time at a time with yeah. with jelly. Oh, the jelly I don't do. <laughs> the jelly and the sour cream or whatever. You don't do that. <laughs> I don't do that. He's like interesting and a, and a Pepsi. <laughs> uh, yeah, no that that pizza that pizza guy's a perfect example of just like. Like introduce struct- something and then give up. Yeah, on the it. structure of this this play that like usually with plays like this that are so structured. So they the pizza guy was not in payoffs. the play. What? Apparently, the pizza oh, the guy pizza was guy... not in the play. Oh, okay. Which I learned well, on the on the director's guild. Well, play. he's not really in the movie either. So, <laughs> so nice addition, Samuel yeah. Samuel Hunter. Like, literally, they do this. They 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 build a semi relationship through the door. It's kind of interesting and. Like I mean, no no pizza guy is gonna be like, hey, what's your name? You know? Yeah, I don't they, care how many times they deliver. To yeah, the house. they're just yeah. gonna be like, I'll take the money and go. And then like for him to come out and get the 
get the pizza, and then it's not even like he looks that weird when he's in yeah, the chair. Yeah, he's just in a wheelchair. He's just a what guy he in a wheelchair. He delivers the guy two pizzas every night, and he never <laughs> sees him. What does he think is going to be in there? Yeah. Like, yeah, that's a good point. He's like, holy he's, shit, have you been eating both of these? Oh, my God. That's not good for you. I mean, that would at least be funny if he's like, I, you've been eating both of them? Oh, let's get you some help, dude. Yeah. Um, oh, but you man. know what? Like, my neighbor is like, like, like my, my neighbor is not. I hope your neighbor obese. doesn't the listen one, to the this. One, uh, the one who lives right here. Podcast. But like I, ne- I've never met her. I like I've talked to her over t- or talked to her over text about like you know a fence, but like I swear to God, she gets like everything delivered. Like she's a little bit of a hermit, you know. And it would be interesting to explore your relationship with your delivery driver. If that's the only, if that's like the only, the subtotal of your uh, human interaction in a day, sometimes like that's an interesting thing to explore but of course well i also just liked that like you have this character of charlie who is clearly a nice person a good person a caring person and you get his daughter that comes in for you know a half hour of the movie and just yells at him and acts like a bitch the whole time then you have thomas come in and preach to him and yeah keep saying i'm leaving then you have thomas come in and obnoxiously preach to him then you have you know liz who i I think is you know our you know by comparison you know a more interesting character but then you get this guy dan the pizza man who's just nice back he just introduces himself he's like hey i deliver pizzas here i'm my name's dan and he's like, i'm charlie and then you know he delivers again hey charlie here's your pizza thanks dan and it's just like oh these are two nice people talking i like this this is something that is making me feel good watching this movie and they clearly had no idea what to do with it they just gave up on it yeah, and then made made the pizza guy uh, an asshole yeah, at the end. Kind of a jerk, yeah. yeah He's just like, like, oh, fuck oh, this guy. can't believe it. this fat guy has been ordering two pizzas a day. I bet I could convince <laughs> him to buy three. I'll get a better tip. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's disappointing. It's really disappointing. And I, like I said, I went into this movie really wanting to engage with it and like it. And I think I did on some level, especially with his performance. But all the surrounding stuff just especially as we're talking about it and now it's almost more aggravating because as an audience member you are especially with somebody so nice and so caring and you you want them to be okay you you get frustrated like that you you mentioned that scene with the chocolate bar and he goes like that was the one moment he goes oh maybe i should you know what i think this is getting out of hand i'll put this back (laughs) yeah then then, he probably thought he's just like yeah yeah. what's one more gonna do (laughs) and he's like oh fuck it and i'm like that i'm like as an audience member i'm like yeah all right maybe some change you you want some change you want some you want him to at least try or have a scene where in like a a moment where he's making an effort or, or 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 something's changing but his motivation to die didn't make enough sense to me to to warrant his behavior i did yeah the characters don't really change at all in this movie and it's almost like they didn't want them to it's almost like the script is going in the direction where you know ellie is is gonna change like she's she hates him she wants to leave but then little by little like she doesn't and she loves him but like the movie doesn't let it happen it's like maybe at the final moment it does but 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 i think that that, i don't think that final moment was real i think he died the whole script was was going towards repairing that at least in his mind repairing that relationship that was it and i don't think it ever even really succeeded in that 
but no, as far as like he doesn't change in trying to repair the relationship, she doesn't change in trying to repair the relationship. Again, I think it's the reason maybe Samantha Morton's character is the only interesting one, other than him. It is interesting watching <laughs> this and just thinking about how you feel like maybe some of this stuff could have worked on the stage, like you know when you, the reveal that it was his daughter that wrote that that book report, and like he, then he really needs her to read it, and like I don't know, like that stuff seems to have more of an emotional impact on stage than it does in the movie. And part, and I think part of the problem too is Aronofsky is just like way over directs at times and like throws in these huge music swells and you know, the lighting and like the rain outside and like this, what was the bird motif with the, like who broke the dish? Like I, what, what was happening there? Do you guys even remember that part of the movie? Oh, right. I have, yeah, I, remember reason, I remember that is those are the dishes that uh, I have at the Airbnb. Same dish. Oh, so, so let's see. Locations. Connected. Um, yeah, how much of how much do you guys remember about the wrestler? I'm kind of uh, curious. Yeah, it's your the comparison. same plot. Taking yeah, well, it's, it's also like taking plot. an older, washed-up actor has yeah. been and and you know. Well, Aronofsky giving... does love putting his leads through you know the, through the ringer. Um, he's kind of done that in a lot of his movies. Uh, yeah. But yeah, this is kind of the same plot, and I I didn't love the wrestler either. I thought that was a bit of an overrated movie. Um, but you have this guy who's going to die and wants to reconnect with his estranged daughter. Um, I think that the wrestler is much better written and much better than this. Um, also masochistic as well. I haven't seen it in a long time. Uh, yeah, you know, he's like cutting himself up, you know? He's, oh, he's, that's right, yeah. He's basically treating his body like shit as well, just yeah. in a different way. Yeah. Um, you guys want to go through some of these categories. I actually had a question, Jeremy, about s- movies like this. Um, I, you know, I imagine they built this set um, since they were in it the entire time. Yes. Um, they would build this so they can, you know, put the camera where they want, move walls and so on and so forth. But not necessarily in the case of this. Like, what's the what's the cutoff where it, like, makes more sense to get a house versus build a set. I mean, it's like an cheaper. amount of time. It, it's always yeah. It's always cheaper to be on location than build. Almost right. always. Um, really? Yeah, yeah. That's why we have Even to find with all these, the like, logistics and yeah. I, they don't care about I, that. It's the bottom line. But I, I mean, it's always easier to build. Like you want a hospital room. Like it's just so much easier to build it. But we still go out scouting for hospital rooms all the time. But if it's like, let's say you need a house for like two weeks. Let's say it's a big, you know, a big movie. You know, it's a it's a you know ten week shoot or something. Yeah, you need a house for two weeks. Is it is it? Would you get a house for that, or does that make more sense to build? It like dep- it really depends. Take over someone's house for two weeks, or like a good example of that would be uh, when we did Detroit. That house, that that uh, like motel, was a house that we took over for two weeks. You know, um, but we also used all three floors. Like we just totally. And is that just because the building that would just be too expensive? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it caught. I think we paid like a hundred and twenty thousand dollars to the home, to the, what whatever homeowners for the time we were there, which ended oh up being. God. Do that at my house. Being like months. Trust me, this, we like we took their wallpaper off. We, I mean, we did like we took every piece of furniture out, you know, broken wind. Like we did a we. It was a big cleanup but yeah it was a lot of money but to build that whole set would have been uh, uh, at least six seven hundred thousand dollars god that's nuts 
So I think what's interesting about that though is the the um in a in a location like in the whale, that place is such a small apartment yeah. that you wouldn't really be able to shoot that location that you way because yeah. you need the space and so yeah. you have to build it. But then if it's a big location you can make it work because you got enough room for the dolly track and all that stuff. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I also um, think like there's like a creative thing. Like I've been the last like bunch of shoots I've done has been on a stage and like, it's so easy cause you just get there. It's air conditioned or it's heated. It's very nice. There's like craft service places. The bathrooms are fine. You don't have to worry about anything, but like it just gets boring after a while, you know, like just to be yeah. like, there's something like alive about the stage. I remember, <laughs> I was trying to figure this out. I was reading that like some of the locations at Eyes Wide Shut were not built, that they used like real locations. Like, what did they say? We don't know how long we're going to be here. Uh, (laughs) Six months to three years. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I've worked worked on episodic television before, but never the kind of like that comes back year after year after year. I I always wonder about that. Because like even, even Julia season two, there were locations that, the place said no they said that they shot in season one and they were like no i don't want to do it again and then it's like well champ in the the culver city lot that we worked on had their stage had like there was like fifth ten rooms that were like were all just like back to back of just like different houses that they used for like all these different shows right right. that were all because it was episodic and they were all and like you do you know the living room scene right there and you'd walk down the hall and you'd go to the bedroom scene and i like, think what jeremy's describing like you have to have a you have to build a house that has like interiors and exteriors at the same time right so you need like a big space that will read it right jeremy that's kind of what you're saying or for which thing the the, Detro- the detroit location like <laughs> it, yeah that was an interior exterior that like was basically it's a hotel that we there was an annex part of it that was this brick building that we we filmed the exterior interior we filmed on the street and it connected to in the story it connected to a motel that was somewhere else so we just kind of had to build the connection but that was it um okay guys i know you guys don't want to have a meal with charlie in this movie would you want to have a drink with anybody in this movie i mean samantha morton can put him down I'm not know. sure I want to have a drink or meal with anybody in this movie. Although, yeah. you know, Charlie maybe, seems nice, but... He does seem nice, but no. Maybe no, the pizza guy? Maybe, split if I had guy. to, maybe... <laughs> maybe the pizza guy? Maybe the pizza guy. <laughs> Just bring, bring a pie home from work and we'll uh, we'll split it. Um, Chapin, you, you're grumpy about anything today? I am. I have a kind of a funny story. I, I'm not so grumpy, but a little disturbed. Um, okay. I uh, had someone over to watch uh, the brilliant film, Michael Bay's Ambulance, which I highly recommend, and I there's no irony in that. Um, it is fun, but you're and you're when a this too person about it. when this person entered my screening room, they said something to the effect of, "For how into movies you are, you've got kind of a small TV." What? What? And I'm gonna check off ambulance for you. I was. Uh, I already did. Um, no, it's not checked off. <clears throat> I was pretty. I don't know if offended is the right word, but like, I've had that thought that I need a need a bigger one. And as you guys know, I'm a, I'm a big you know fan of my TV and my setup. And it's not you know, the I, it's I not have, the size that matters. 
Yeah, it's... I mean, if she was disappointed in the size of your TV, Jesus. <laughs> can't imagine yeah. the well, rest of the night later. went well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I got these big, <laughs> these big like, floor speakers. and like I've got a nice setup. You have a you great know? setup. And your couch uh, is not far from the... It's not like the couch... It's all no, about their no, couch no, no. relationship to the TV, too. Right, right. I was like, what do you expect? I was like, it's it's OLED. It's high dynamic range. You don't. The blacks are so black, and the whites are so white. You're like, what do you mean? What do you mean? It's not big enough. It's look at look at the black. Look at the blacks. <laughs> James is just like, get out, get the fuck out of here. But it's just, I, I just, it's just not something I can afford. I can't get a 65 inch. I don't think you need right one now. again. Like you know? you'd have to back up your well, now couch I think I need anyhow. One. No, no, no. Keep the couch where it is. Exactly. So, there you go. Can we hey, talk li- about Ambulance for a minute, Chapin? Um, I enjoyed Ambulance. I thought that was a fun time. Um, you had said something to the effect that uh, Michael Bay is in a fixie consideration for Best Director. I, I mean, I was kind of just saying that to get a rise out of you. I thought, I was bit. hoping that's what you'd say. Um, um, but yeah, like I, I do think that there's something brilliant about what Michael Bay does. And I think that very few people can come close to what he does. And I mean, I probably need to watch it again. I was a little distracted at some points, but like, 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 because your TV wasn't big enough. Somebody, yeah, it was hard <laughs> to pay attention. It wasn't big enough. Um, somebody gave Michael Bay a drone on that movie and it was, and it was just fucking magnificent. He used it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jesus, there's a point where there's a drone where the, a cop car jumps over the drone. <laughs> I don't know. Like uh, uh, Hall was very bad, unfortunately, and uh, not a very well-written movie, but God, like he can shoot the shit out of stuff. Yeah. It's a, I, I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, did you guys, uh, since we've got a minute here, um, in terms of what else have we been watching this week? Did, did I know we had originally planned to um, do this on the pod, but we're not going to. Did you guys watch White Noise? Yes. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, I did. I had a what hard did, time wrapping my mind around that movie. I, it's, like, um, I, like to the point where I was like, about I don't, don't know if I don't can do this. All right, yeah, we'll let's let, not talk about it. We'll let Chapin see it, and we'll we'll come back um, to it. I did. I did. I went to go. Uh, I. Well, I, it doesn't count as a screening because it's not. Uh, but I, I watched um, in the theater a new 4K restoration of Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, that must uh, which, cool. I, which I saw with a Mad Max Fury Road version. Um, and it was awesome. It was so cool. And it was cool to experience it with someone who hadn't seen it before. Um, and it was just, I, I just am reminded about how great that movie is. And oh, That's one of those movies I, I just, especially with my new TV, just got to rewatch. I want to see that. It it's so hard again. to watch other movies right now that that's the problem. You feel guilty. It is. It is. I, I, I did feel, feel guilty. guilty. I felt very guilty. Not checking yeah. off the box. Like it's a. We should maybe we should talk about that. Fixie guilt. Fixie guilt. Yeah, fixie guilt is real. Um, you guys were catching up to me on the must sees, but I've made a little progress. I snuck away from you a little bit. Um, we've got sixty-five days. It's about nine weeks until the fixies. Um, you know, if we can put in at the minimum two movies a week. That's 18 more movies, and that that gets us like in really good shape um, for the amount we've got to see. Got to see. So, After Sun is still a is still a must see. Um, yeah, I watched it last night. I think so. I think we should do the do that that next. Um, but Lee, do you even have that many movies to see at this point? Well, yeah, there's still 54 movies left on the list. There's just not that many must sees, but I'll, I'll you know, there's some um. There's, there's a couple that haven't come out. Like, so Close, 
which supposedly comes out in some theaters on January 27th. I'm getting the feeling that this is going to be sort of the the father, worst person in the world of this year, that one that like comes out real late um, and ends up being really good and disrupts our lists. Fortunately, we've got a little extra time. Um, but yeah, and then, you know, I've got my little ritual of going back and rewatching some things and... Oh, I did rewatch Banshees. Yeah, I rewatched it a couple weeks ago. The only one I've been able to sort of put on when I was doing uh, other things. Yeah, that all that all counts. That's all, even if it's not getting checked. It's just annoying when you can't check it off after. Yeah, Austin (laughs) Butler won the Golden Globe, and I just I just could not get through Elvis. I but maybe I should try it again. Genuinely disliked it. Yeah. I haven't even tried because I know I already know that it's like yeah you've seen it before. I said, what is it the uh, the Queen movie all over again? The Queen movie? Oh uh, yeah, um, Bohemian but, Rhapsody. Yeah, yeah, uh, and Ray and Walk the Line and it's all these movies. Um, all right, oh, and, and the the Elton John one that one I couldn't get through either, and I love Elton John. <laughs> yeah. All right, well that is going to wrap up this edition, this enormous edition. Of the Get Your Film Fixed fo- podcast. You see what I did there, guys? Yeah. Enormous um, like Chapin's TV. Yes. Enormous like Chapin's TV, no matter what anybody says. Thank you. Thanks, guys. What any lady says. Yeah. And it's not, it's not just it about the side. He uses it better than anybody I've ever really known. Well, there's vibrations to it. That's true. Yeah. And like, yeah, like we said, the blacks it. are so black. that. And the white's so white. Let's not the, discriminate. That's true. Um, you can email us at uh, getyourfilmfixpodcast at gmail.com. Um, and, again, we'd like to know what you thought of the 2022 movies. What were your favorites? Um, if you don't want to send us a voicemail, send us an email. Um, if you're not uncomfortable with your voice being recorded, just email us what your favorites were. Um, and we will uh, eviscerate your opinion on the podcast. Uh, anything to add, fellas? After Sun coming up next week. That's available on demand if you'd like to keep up. Can't wait. Have a pleasant evening. Yeah, lovely evening, y'all.